Hi, I'm Jake Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this NL Full-Time. It's a bit of an extra this week. We're going to review all the fixtures that took place on the Monday, which is between obviously the Boxing Day and the New Year period. There was... Quite a lot of games in the National League. There's certainly games in the National League North and three in the National League South as well. Coming up later, we're going to hear from Dulwich Hamlet manager Gavin Rose and also from Kidderminster manager Russ Penn. But joining us now to review the action along with myself, Luke Edwards, it is Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. Hello, Luke. And we've also got with us as well, Dickie Wharton. Hiya, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. A bit of a Christmas bonus, this one. Also joining us is, is Tom Lang. Hiya, Tom. Hi Luke, hi guys. And and, and Merry Christmas to you. Oh. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. Nice uh, nice Christmas background as well that you've got. There. Oh, yeah. Of course I uh I hosted a a virtual quiz for my family recently, so uh, <laughs> this was my festive approach. What we'll do is we'll get it out of the way now, Chris. The early kickoff between Woking and Eatley. Uh nil-nil and from all accounts nothing happened. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know Rob Robson, review, I like it, it wasn't a great game either. There was a, there was one moment where there was almost an overhead kick assist to an overhead kick goal, and I think that was the most exciting moment of the game. And also Adam Summerton's tweet after where he said he's not going to make any more predictions again, which, as you pointed out, Dickie, in a way, I'm glad, we'd, glad we didn't get him on to do the predictions with us. <laughs> well, he might have been finishing bottom of our prediction table based on that yesterday. I think he, he said oh, clearly he was going to the game hoping there'd be goals. And um, yeah, but he was disappointed. I imagine pretty much everybody watching was disappointed as well. Yeah. In all seriousness, if, had that goal have gone in, they would have pulled out a, a Puskas Award moment from um, from a, a dire game, wouldn't they? That would have been, I couldn't believe that. That would have been amazing. Yeah, considering the quality before it, definitely. One game that wasn't short of incident and goals was Torquay and Chris that they showed the championship credentials in a different way, didn't they, on Monday, where they were they were three they were three one up against Weymouth, pegged back to three three and then scored a late winner to win by four goals to three. Yeah, I mean, well, I've seen how good Weymouth can be um this season when they went to Edgeley Park and uh, and beat Stockport County. So I'm a little bit surprised that that they are where they are and um from their point of view, they'll be gutted coming from three-one down to uh, to concede to concede that late winner. But Torquay are just doing whatever it takes at the moment, aren't they, to 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 win games um, and uh, you know back-to-back wins for Torquay after a little blip uh, a couple of weeks ago. But look, they're eleven points clear now, and obviously some some teams have got games in hand on them and. Uh, and significant games in hand, and um, you know lower table, lower table teams to play. But Torquay, are, uh, you know, they're, they're really looking like the real deal at the moment. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I have to agree with that one. I mean, to 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 pull that around after looking like they'd you know given away the additional points yesterday and getting a winner three minutes from time, it, it's just those hallmarks of of teams that have that belief and just keep going right to the very end. And you know that that's. It, I think it's it's not too early in the season now, although we've clearly not played as many games as we would have done by the 29th of December, um, to say that, you know, that they've got that look of champions about them. And Chris as well, they spread the goals about, didn't they? I mean, four different scorers again on the score sheet. 
Yeah, and it was the same. Um, it was the same the game before, wasn't it? When they won, uh, it was six one, wasn't it? Against uh, against Yeovil a, a couple of days earlier. So real, real team effort, and uh, managers love that, don't they? You love your strikers scoring twenty odd goals a season, but you also love uh, everyone contributing. Big centre half foot from corners, um, attacking midfielders getting goals, and it's it's difficult to find a, a negative for, for talking at the moment. Funny weekend, though, for Weymouth, wasn't it, Chris? I mean, Brian Stock, as we said, we would have been pleased with the nil-nil draw at Eastley on, on Boxing Day, getting a clean sheet. But then, equally, they scored three goals. He'll be pleased with that against Southampton, but not won the game. But I'm sure he'll be, recur- he'll be encouraged as well, won't we, despite him only getting one point out of those two games. Yeah, mixed feelings, I think, isn't it? Yeah, encouraged for two different reasons. As you say, that a clean sheet and then and then scoring scoring three. But I think it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a gut punch, isn't it, when you fought so hard to to get back into a game and you you don't get anything out of it because a three all draw against the um, well the runaway table toppers at the moment would have been a fantastic result. I believe from looking at um, all the forums and what have you that it was an unbelievable effort by by Weymouth yesterday. But uh, at the end of the day, it's one point out of fifteen, and um, you know that's. Uh, Bottom four that we spoke about um, the other day, Weymouth are well in it. Yeah, the Jason Pack as well. Um, two of those teams met each other, didn't they, at Meadow Lane? Notts County against Hartlepool. And what a win for Hartlepool. That man, Luke Armstrong, scoring again. And then Ben Turner getting sent off for what it's fair to say was a, a pretty high kick. I think someone said the Karate Kid 5 was on on <laughs> on that game. But what a win that was for Hartlepool, continuing a good recent form. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to say that they're almost getting the uh, the gold medal for Christmas at the Christmas period at the moment, Hartlepool, because uh, this one was a very uh, different win. You know, they weren't scoring hatfuls of goals or anything like that, and I don't think I don't think many teams will go to Notts County and score hatfuls of goals. There's going to be a lot of goalless draws, one ones, one uh, nils, and this was a this was a one nil, and they got that early goal, and then they they kept hold of it as well, and. As you say, and again, as we spoke about the other day, uh, Luke Armstrong is on absolute fire at the moment, isn't he? And um, he, I mean, how long can he keep the streak going? I think it helps, you know, at this time of the year when there's a, goal, a game every two days, three days, and then there's another one coming up because you can keep on that hot form, can't you? And um, he's certainly doing that at the moment. Yeah, currently on loan from Salford and, and son of Alan Armstrong, of course, Dickie. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, it, well, goal scoring clearly runs in the family um, with with Luke Armstrong taking very much after his father. And uh, yeah, he's been a terrific signing for them. Uh, I think that's three wins on the bounce um, over the Christmas period for Hartlepool then. And um, they've you know got themselves back on course. I mean, they, they clear, I think they started with three wins out of three at the start of the season and a lot of heady excitement. People get a bit carried away and then, you know, they've they've drifted out of the picture, but they've they've stayed in touch enough so that you know the a run of good results has put them right back in the mix just on a point just uh, just going off on a, a little bit of a tangent because why not it's a bonus it's a bonus podcast for, for christmas salford are a team salford city who do loan a hell of a lot of players out to um, to the national league and uh, i wonder whether that's because they've been in there in their relatively recent history and they can see the value of these players getting games at that level and they can see um, that it does them good because I can think of a hell of a lot of a lot of players who've gone away from Salford on loan and got fantastic form in, in the National League and uh, have benefited them when they've come back. Well, you look at Devante Rodney, Chris. I mean, as I say, he didn't really get a look in at Salford. Had loan spells at 
start put on Halifax with with sort of mixed uh, mixed times. But now he's got me to put bail, and he's scoring in the football league now. Yeah, and that's a you know that's a, a great example, isn't it? You think of someone like uh, Danny Lloyd as well. He he, he did well um, when he was loaned out at County. Tom Walker was out loads of times. I know he's at Notts County at the minute. He seems to have been at every club in the National League and the National League North. Tom Walker, but yeah, they, they've got a real um, a policy there, and probably because of of, of the recent history. We'll look at Stockport County in a minute, but another entertaining game up at the Shea was Halifax. They bounced back from defeat at. Hartlepool on a boxing day to be Altrincham by three goals to two and say we, we, people look at it and go oh, they've only beaten Altrincham part-time tie but the way Altrincham been going this season that's a very good win for Halifax isn't it? That's a cracking win for Halifax yeah I mean the, the form that Altrincham have shown in the last six, seven, eight weeks has been absolutely outstanding and um, yeah, for Halifax to beat them Two teams who are in that massive pack of teams who are, are looking like they're in um, playoff contention this season uh, is great because, I mean, we normally say it about the bottom of the league, but these are all playoff six-pointers, if you like, uh, at the minute, because they expect that Altrincham will carry on their form um, at the moment. Um, and from from an Alti point of view, I don't think they'll be ridiculously unhappy you know with yesterday they'd be delighted with the result they're they're not full-time and they're keeping up with full-time teams and at this time of the the year not being a full-time team is uh, is quite tricky and so they'll look at that and they'll think well look we were close we've run them pretty close we've had good results over the Christmas period um we'll sort of take stock and get ready for Edgley Park on the 2nd of Jan. Do you think, Dickie, that obviously 48-hour turnaround is in the end just proved a bit too much for Altrincham? Yeah, potentially so, with them, as as you say, not, be, not being a full-time side. I, I, I suppose in my head I was just thinking, based on what Chris was saying there, about how well they've adjusted in making that step up. I know it was um, you know a little bit of a rocky start for them, but one thing they did do, which I use the example of Chorley, who went up last season, Chorley had a, a, a rocky start and then got some stability, but they weren't winning games. They, uh, I think Chorley had a run of something like the way they didn't concede a goal for five or six games, but I think four or five of them were goalless draws. So they didn't have that ability to turn that into wins. That's something that Altrincham have done. And those those extra points, the two extra points for a win over, you know, what you get for a draw is, you know, it's the difference between staying up in the division comfortably and being able to sort of like plan for a second season in the National League and, and or, or looking over your shoulder thinking, are we going to go back down again? Yeah, and as, as, as Chris mentioned there, Altrincham plays Stockport on New Year's Day and Stockport go into that one on, on a back of a 2-0 win over Wrexham. Um, over, it was a performance by uh, Wrexham that manager Dean Keats called the worst performance of the season, but obviously Stockport will be happy to Back to part first of all, Chris, and then get back to winning ways. Yeah, they've had an unhappy last few games, haven't they? Um, Stockport County, and so certainly to get an early goal, two early goals, and um, and then play the game out and see the game out with a comfortable victory in the end. I think um, they'll be absolutely uh, they'll be absolutely delighted with that. I think um, they don't often score. I mean, I cover Stockport County a lot, and I can't. I can probably count on one hand the amount of early goals that Stockport County score. So, um, you know, for that as well, they'll be they'll be delighted because obviously when you get a goal up, uh, two goals up early doors, you can control the match from then on. Yeah, for Wrexham, though, Dean Keats is um, 
Dean Keats post-match as well, he got asked about the, the ownership issue again and he said he didn't really know much, he knows as much as we do, but uh, he looked like a man who's almost knows that a change is going to happen probably at some stage. I don't, an incredibly difficult situation to be in, isn't it? Um, when these sort of things happen to your club and, and what you need as soon as it happens is a few good wins, don't you? And um, their form has been mediocre to, um, to to say the least. And the amount of attention that Wrexham get as well, um, obviously they get a huge amount of attention from the, from the local press and the, the Welsh press and stuff like that. So they probably get more than most clubs at this level. And so the the spotlight really is 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 on Dean Keats, and um, I think it looks like it as well um, in in some of the answers that that he's giving post match and everything. But um, I guess like everyone else, we'll we'll wait and see, and we'll wait and we'll wait for the documentary. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting, won't it, behind the scenes? But saying it sets it up for a cracking game on New Year's Day between Stockport and Altrincham, and I know speaking to people at Altrincham, they actually prefer to be playing away from home in a minute because the pitches is better than their own. Big wide pitch, they like to use the pitches we know, passing it and, and sort of using the, the transition, as they call it. Um, and he said, because most of the pitches in the National League are like carpets compared to theirs, they like getting the ball down. So they'll go to Stockport County and they'll probably fancy it, won't they? Oh, definitely be well up for it. And obviously it being the the, the closest um, derby that, that they have and, and, and Stockport have got at the moment as well. Um, they'll really uh, be looking forward to that. Now, before anyone buys the stream, it's not New Year's Day, it's on Saturday, so it's the 2nd of Jan. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, they'll be uh, they'll be looking forward to that. And they've got the pace uh, down the wings and they've got they've got the tools to, um, to hurt County, as County found out a few days ago, <laughs> as it is this time of the year. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, as, as, normally because I'm used to New Year's Day football, Boxing Day, New Year's Day football, but because, like you say, Chris, uh, it's a Saturday, it's the 2nd of Jan, which all the fixtures are coming up in the National League. Not, it's not just stop balls, they haven't made special dispensation for it. They all are on the 2nd, aren't they, this week? And the, the only other game in the National League, it's a, it's a good job Rob uh, isn't on. He wasn't a happy bunny, was he, <laughs> on, the, on the WhatsApp group yesterday. Uh, his side went to Yeovil, and Yeovil picked up their... First home win of the season, and um, he wasn't he wasn't too happy. Neither was Danny Searle in his uh, post match. Danny Searle actually said that he felt that the the players were patting themselves on the back still after their derby win on Boxing Day. Yeah, you can't afford to do that in this league, can you? Either because um, anyone really can be uh, beat anyone else, can't they? And um, yeah, I think what Rob said on the on the text early doors in that game was that um, that all the shot had hit the post a couple of times or the crossbar. I, I can't remember what, and they've been they've been really unlucky. But uh, certainly by the end of the game, he was he was a little less happy um, and uh, complaining that teams always end a bad run against all the shot. Um, Tom, thoughts on on Yeovil? Then we're saying um, Rob wasn't too happy. It was only their second league win of the season, but he got Courtney Dufus scoring. Yeah, they did, didn't they? It's uh, important to get. It was always important to get either him or Reese Murphy firing. Um, they they were so important to their uh, their season last year, and neither of them have really hit the hit the ground running yet. Um, so yeah, really important for them that he's up and running. Um, I've got to be honest, I, I certainly didn't see that coming. Um, but obviously, I've, older shot had uh, had improved recently. Uh, Jermaine Anson looked like a bit of business by by them. I know Rob was really pleased with that. Um, obviously, he got the red card yesterday as well, which which made things more difficult for them. 
so yeah, it's, it's a really important win for Yeovil, and um, and it's it's nice for Oldershot to keep up their record of uh, ending teams' bad runs. Has it saved Darren Tiles' job? Do you think that now he's given it? Well, it's certainly given him a bit more breathing space, hasn't it? Yeah, just so I I know the Oval fan, and I spoke to him yesterday, and and he, when I said that they'd won three 0 he just laughed um, as if like, well, you know, what's one win? Um, I think I think it will take more than one one good result. Um, against what's let's face it are quite an inconsistent older shot side. One thing it does do, Luke, is the table looks marginally better. They're not in the bottom three anymore, so they've uh, they've leapfrogged a couple of teams to get out of there. Um, obviously, that's not where Yeovil want to be at the end of the season, but um, looks a little bit better this morning. Yeah, really tight down there now, isn't it? As well, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting battle down at the bottom. So we're going to look now at the National League South. Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. And in the National League South, there was only three games played. And Tom, we'll get to you first because obviously we spoke to Gary McCann on Sunday's podcast and, and he was saying, well, one thing we need to do is improve the home form. And unfortunately, the, uh, it hasn't, has it? No, it hasn't. I mean, it was... a. Uh... It was a really interesting game to watch, actually. Uh, first off, it should be said that Dulwich are no slouches. Um, they're not the same Dulwich that we were talking about earlier in the season. Um, but coming into yesterday's game, I think they'd only lost one game since the 11th of November. They're up in sixth in the form tables over the last eight. They've looked a lot better than they have done. Um, and they've managed to strengthen a little bit since the beginning of the season when they, when they started the season with only one player. Um, at the club and I think that's something that Gavin Rose will talk about when we hear his interview shortly as well in terms of Hampton they, they didn't start start brilliantly um, but it was even but then as the first half wore on Dulwich just really came into the ascendancy um, there's a sort of flurry of late tackles um, Dean Inman got a red card for a pretty exquisite tap tackle um, do, do that at Twickenham you're the hero but do it at the Beverly less so um, so you know he, he was very disappointed with that but the reality is that the 10 men didn't cost Hampton and Richmond Borough the game. Um, it was the fact that they they really didn't defend properly against Dulwich and didn't impose themselves on the game for sort of that 20-minute window before half-time where first off uh, uh, a Michael Timlin free kick rebounded out to Danny Mills who was left unmarked at the back post. He made it 1-0 and then just a few minutes later um, sort of an error in the offside trap set Mills free. He did well to round Alan Julian and, and even though Kyron Farrell very nearly got to it on the line uh, he just couldn't quite make it. Um, the second half, however, was a different story, and particularly the last 30 minutes. Hampton really, really came into the ascendancy then. And 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 I think an observer would say a point would have been fair. Um, even, you know, Gavin Rose himself was was sort of a hanging, admits he was hanging on by the end. Um, it was a, a goal from Jake Gray, pulled one back on 61 minutes. Then Nico Mule missed a penalty on 66 minutes. And then there was a really strong shout for a handball against Ronnie Vint, um, which which should have been given in all honesty uh, and wasn't and should have been a red card for Vint as well, um, but the result, the rea- reality is Dulwich took the three points and um, you know they they were good particularly that first forty five minutes they really well. Reese Alassani is such a good player. Um, he's had three nasty ACL injuries. He's coming back. He had no preseason. He's essentially doing his preseason at Dulwich now, um, and he's coming on strength strength by strength each game. And uh, after forty five fifty minutes, he was pretty dead on his feet. But once they've got 90 minutes out of him, he will be a seriously, seriously good player at this level. Just before we hear from Gavin Rose, Tom, I mean, what is it with Hampton and the home farm? I mean, 
obviously, uh, Gary McCann said at dark and he had the 3D pitch, it was eight, they were able to sort of get it down and play. I mean, what is it? Why are he so much better away from home? I, I think that is a big element of it. Um, you know, Gary does like to get the ball on the floor. He likes to use, um, you know, he likes to use the likes of Deadfield and Gray in midfield who, who on their day can outpass anyone in this division. Um, he likes to get his, his running wingers such as Gondo and Carvalho attacking their fullbacks. And that is much more difficult to do on a bumpy, bouncy pitch. Um, you know, credit to the grounds team at the Beverly and, and any grass pitch at the moment as well um, to get games on in and of itself is an achievement, but it's not as good as a 3G pitch. It's not as smooth and it doesn't suit the style of play as well. However, Dulwich were a passing team. They got the ball down, they got on the deck. They did it better yesterday. In my opinion, that there might be a mentality, uh, sort of not mentality issue, but it does start to weigh on people's minds, doesn't it? Once you go into fixtures knowing we've won six out of seven away from home, you feel confident away from home. When you're going into fixtures thinking we've only picked up four points from a possible 18, that's very different. Well, let's give all the credit to Dulwich Hamlet and hear now from their manager, Gavin Rose, who caught up with Tom after the game. I'm joined by Dulwich Hamlet manager Gavin Rose after an impressive 2-1 victory away at Hampton Richard Borough. Gavin, um, that you've now only lost one game since the 11th of November. Um, this run of form that Dulwich are on, what is it that you're doing differently around the club at the moment to uh, bring that about? Um, I think we was on a, a really bad run at the start of the season and we um, had quite a, a lot of young guys who were learning about the level all at the same time and uh, sometimes that can work and sometimes it doesn't and it, it didn't work so we brought in a few more older players and we had a few who were injured at the time and never recovered so we've just got a little bit more experience on the pitch um, we brought in Ronnie Vint on loan um, we've added Andre Blackman in that time as well and just that little bit of know-how and experience just gives us a little bit more of an easing, calming influence and uh, we've started to take our chances because we always created chances even in the games we lost but uh, we weren't taking them so we've started to take chances and, um, and the boys are feeling just a little bit more confident and that know-how and experience really paid dividends today. I thought Vint was brilliant at the back, particularly mm. as Hampton applied the pressure towards the end. Mm. Were you confident knowing your team that you'd hold on and take the three points? No, as it went on, I wasn't. I mean, I thought 2-0 uh, up, I thought we were the better team. Uh, shaded it, uh, not by a lot, but I thought we were the better team. And we went in 2-0 and obviously with a man down and I thought we might have relaxed our shoulders a little bit in the second half and then it's very difficult to come out of that. And they done really what any team with 10 men should do, is be brave. Um, and they were brave and they stayed on the front foot and I think that caught us by surprise a little bit uh, and we just couldn't get going. Uh, having said that, we probably still should have scored another one or two goals. It was pretty easy opportunities. We made bad decisions. Um, but, you know, I think Hampton are one of the better teams in the league. I think they've improved since last season. So looking away from all the circumstances in the game, it's a very good away win. And, uh, I thought Tim Lynn and uh, Alassani were very good on the ball today. Um, it's a difficult pitch at this time of year. Yeah. To play some of the stuff you guys played on the floor was really impressive. Thinking Alassani in particular, um, if you can keep him fit and firing, yeah. do you think he can pull your team or help to pull your team up towards the playoffs? He's, he's not at his level yet. He's, um, he's had a year out injured with an uh, ACL, so it's his second ACL. So he didn't really do a pre-season. So he's basically doing all these... He's a yeah, sort of foundation work out on the pitch um, and we're, we're having to dip him in and out at times. But um, I think once we get over the sort of mid-season mark, I think we're going to see the better part of Reese. Um, and there were signs in the first half that he's starting to get stronger uh, and starting to play in his style when he, he runs at people really positively and he's got a goal in him, obviously, as we know. So I think he'll be a plus as the season goes on. we just got to manage him, really, between games and training sessions and stuff like that. And Michael, I thought, did well as well. He's a, he's a leader and uh, leads by example. So it's good to see. 
And then one more, I'd be remiss not to ask this. Um, obviously, we're still waiting when we're going to get fans back consistently. Yeah. It's been widely reported that Dulwich are a club that suffer more than most from this. Yeah. Um, do you see that continuing to impact your season in terms of the budget that's available to you for players, etc.? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think, firstly, the club have done done well and it's admirable that they've gone out on a limb really without knowing if there's going to be supporters or knowing what the funding would be. Um, so we are normally just revenue based, there's no backer, there's no, no one who brings investment in. Uh, we are revenue based in terms of a match day uh, and we've lost all of that so we've been very bold in terms of even getting a team together and then we've, I think we've been let down with the funding. Um, we by far are one of the best supported teams in non-league football much less our league uh, and to be given I think 6k more than the other teams um, is a little bit laughable it's, it's not a 6k difference with, with our support and, and other teams so um, we have been let down and it, it, it's made things harder for us in terms of who we can recruit even if we can keep players beyond a short term contract because we didn't know how the funding was going to last so it's been very difficult for us all but I mean what you do in football is you always you know, get on with it and find ways to get around the uh, problems and I think that's what we've all done collectively um, and hopefully I don't know if there's going to be another round of funding in January but hopefully that becomes that comes and it's a, a lot more favourable and I think more fair really because there's, there's clubs with, they're in the profit margins from the funding and we're we're way off it so hopefully they um, they do the right thing I think and, uh, and make it right this, this next round of funding Right, uh, well congratulations on the results today and good Cheers. luck for the rest of the season Thank you very much And that was Gavin Rose and we're told he doesn't do many interviews, so we're quite honoured as well that he uh, he chose to speak to us. But um, full props to him because we always he's been there a long time, and we always think is his time coming to an end. You know, they start to struggle. They struggled the back end of the first season. They didn't do great last year. They started off slow again, but it, again, a bit like maybe Alan Dowson or Alan Devonshire. He seems to pull rabbits out of the hat and they get out of it, don't they? They do, and it's very easy to look at Dulwich, isn't it, and think, well, they're a club that averages 2,500 fans a week. They must be rolling in it. They must be really, really comfortable and stable. But that ground issue ran on for so long, um, particularly this um, this summer, and, and Gavin talks about it himself, they had no idea what the budget was going to be until literally the day before the season. He, as he said, he had one player at the club. Um, that that in and of itself, to get a team together at, at such short notice, to get them gelling and to get them by Christmas putting together six game unbeaten runs is really impressive. Um, I think there's definitely a perception that the knives are out for Gavin Rose at the beginning of this season. Um, Dulwich fans on the National League South Forum were saying that they think had the season gone through to completion, Dulwich would have gone down and Rose would have been out of a job. Um, I don't think that's fair. Um, I've said it a number of times on this podcast. I think Gavin Rose is a really underrated manager. Um, and you know he's he's well respected by other managers in the division, that's for sure. Um, and he he continually churns out good teams at Dulwich, and, and they do play nice football as well. Also, he's one of those where we say about a lack of black managers. He's one of the few he's, he's got a job at Dulwich and doing a really good job, isn't he? They do, and uh, it's very easy to look at Dulwich, isn't it, and think, well, they're a club that averages two and a half thousand fans a week. They must be rolling in it. They must be really, really comfortable and stable. But that ground issue ran on for so long, um, particularly this um, this summer. And, and Gavin talks about it himself. They had no idea what the budget was going to be until literally the day before the season. He, as he said, he had one player at the club. Um, that that in and of itself to get a team together at, at such short notice to get them gelling and to get them by Christmas putting together six game unbeaten runs is really impressive um, I think 
there's definitely a perception that the knives are out for Gavin Murray's at the beginning of this season. Um, Dulwich fans on the National League South Forum were saying that they think had the season gone through to completion, Dulwich would have gone down and Rose would have been out of a job. Um, I don't think that's fair. Um, I've said it a number of times on this podcast. I think Gavin Rose is a really underrated manager. Um, and, you know, he's, he's well respected by other managers in the division, that's for sure. Um, and he, he continually churns out good teams at Dulwich. And, and they do play nice football as well. Almost a trailblazer, isn't he? In a way, I suppose, isn't he? As well, in that sense. Yeah, I mean, there are there are others in the in the non-league game for sure, but I I can't think. Uh, you know, I think of uh, Curtis Woodhouse, for example, but I can't think of any other. Uh, you know, is he National League North? No, he's Northern Premier League, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of it, currently, there isn't. I mean, Keith Alexander, as we know, he did a he did a fantastic job when he was like Northwich and Lincoln back in the day. But no, that there's not been absolutely loads, has there? But Hopefully, I'd say it's uh, it's something that is going to change in that sense. Sorry to go off piece a little bit, but it was just I thought it was quite a relevant point in terms of of that. Like I'm saying, it's it's just something that only struck me then when we were listening to Gavin Rose. You know, it's super relevant, mate. Um, you know, we, we saw, for example, uh, the the justified furore when um, is it Greg Clark, FA. Yeah, yeah, Greg Clark when he um, when he made the comments he made recently. It's, this is more and more on the forefront with uh, taking the knee with Black Lives Matters. Um, and the professional game is making efforts to, to, to target this and to tackle this. But the non-league game, particularly in the National League divisions, it, the fact that, you know, we have, what, 65 clubs, uh, 69 clubs, and uh, only one of them has a black manager in a sport where in the playing side, such a high proportion of players mm. are non-white, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't equate, does it? I, I would concur with what Tom says there. You know, it it it, <clears throat> it is puzzling, and and you know, it comes back to, you know, we talk about these issues around unconscious bias on on behalf of the people who are sort of like, uh, you know, running football clubs, and 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 you know, if they've got a particular you know preset ideas in their mind as to as to why you know certain people won't wouldn't make a suitable manager and and it, and it's that kind of thing that we're um we need to see broken down really yeah i, I was trying to wrap my brains like and the only i can think of vil powell for example at step at steps three and four i actually worked with vil as well so <laughs> i thought i'd throw him in <laughs> not in football outside of football um, <laughs> you're his assistant and he's you. is that it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just bringing you- it back to that match specifically as well it's worth pointing out that Bear in mind, six weeks ago we were talking about Dulwiches. They are they are at the wrong end of the table. They're right up at tenth now, um, and uh, they do also have history with Gavin McCann, as it was Gavin Rose's Dulwich side who beat Hendon when Gavin McCann was there on penalties to win the Isthmian League promotion campaign. So, had that have gone differently, would Gavin McCann even have ended up at Hampton if he'd taken Hendon up to the National League South? Who knows? Yeah, it must be sick of the sight of of Gavin Rose and Dulwich in general. Uh, the other team continuing to surprise uh, uh, Hungerford, uh, another fantastic away win for them against Bath City 2 0. I know Bath had a goal disallowed in that game, but they're, uh, they're flying, aren't they, Hungerford? It's really good Christmas for them so far. Yeah, it has been a good Christmas. And I think what's remarkable as well, before we talk about that game itself, is when you look at the form tables over the last eight matches, Hungerford are down in 14th. They've lost four of their last eight, they've only won three. <laughs> yet they're still up in uh, in third place, which goes to show just how congested it is. Um, if the likes of sort of Havant and Maidstone, Oxford win their games in hand, that top of the table is going to be so, so tight. It's really fascinating 
challenge this year. However, yeah, we've, we've got to talk about Hungerford. Another clean sheet for them. Um, another goal for Ryan Seeger as well. Um, that puts him up to 11 goals. He's breathing hard down the neck of Jason Pryor at the top of the scorer's charts. Um, also mentioned Jason Pryor as well. He got a nasty injury um, on Boxing Day against ha- against Hampton. I think someone landed on his foot and... Uh, the you know the pictures have been on social media. It looked like quite a nasty injury to his heel. So wish him well in his recovery. Um, Dickie's currently giving me the middle finger, so I'll, I'll wrap that little bit up quite quickly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just literally just resting on my hand uh, on my lip there. Um, but yeah, a fantastic result for uh, Hungerford. And I think the other score yesterday, uh, Craig Fassal made, who came in from Oxford, uh, has been really good for them. Uh, I don't think he gets. He, I don't think he gets ninety minutes week in week out. He certainly didn't in the games I've watched against Hampton and against Dorking recently. But he's such a good, um, such a good player in that attacking third. I think he really is something different to what they offer. Um, and him and Seeger working in tandem is really good. And, and it was it was when Fasame came on against Dorking in the FA Trophy uh, a week or so ago. That's when they looked like getting back into the match. Um, and I really think if they can they can get those two working together more frequently, then actually, yeah, they can sustain the playoff run, which is remarkable. I was going to say, can they sustain it to keep Ryan Seeger fit or fend off bigger teams? Because we know, obviously, teams are a bit more money maybe at National League level or even in the National League South may come sniffing round for him. Yeah, possibly. Uh, he's, he's certainly not the only one as well. Um, there have been other players in this in this team that have looked good. Uh, James Rusby's been been doing very well for them. Um, we've spoken about Kenny and goal. He's he's earning rave reviews. Um, Keith Emerson at centre-back has been crucial as well. And at the age of 37 to play National League South uh, and doing it as well as he is, is, is really impressive. The only other game in the National League South was a much-needed win for Billericke in their Essex derby over Braintree. Uh, that man, Jake Robinson, scoring two once again. Yeah, um, as you say, Jake Robinson uh, with with two goals, taking him to double figures for the season. He really is evergreen, as they say. Uh, he he just keeps doing it, doesn't he? And um, Ruben Soares Jr. got the other one for for Billericke. He's done he's done quite well since he signed there. I think he came in from step four, I believe. Um, he's looked you know right at home at step two. Uh, Matthew Johnson got the consolation for Braintree Town on fifty minutes. Um, they had a little bit of a shot in the arm when Ryan Maxwell initially came in. He, I think his first game, he played something like 10 new players. He, he made a real like sweep of changes to that Braintree team. Um, but the reality is a lot of them, you know, came from step three, came from step four. Uh, and and maybe they're slightly being found out a bit now. Um, Bill and Ricky are not are a team who've had their own troubles, of course, of, of recent Um so that's that's quite a statement win for them, really. Uh, that's two teams who are who are duking it out at the wrong end of the table at the moment, and it's a big three points for for Billericay. They're now on eleven points. Braintree on seven. Had that have gone the other way, um, obviously those positions would be reversed. Great use of the word duking as well, there, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> well, we're going to look next at the National League North, and in the National League North, uh, thankfully. We had almost a full fixture, filed against Southport, called off late on um, a member of the Southport team, showed symptoms rather than an actual COVID positive test. Uh, and the only other game as well that was called off was yours, Dickie. It could have been so we'll hear more from, from Russ Ben on that later on, but uh, it was more snowed than COVID, wasn't it, that called off your game? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we had snowfall uh, yesterday between um, Shropshire and Worcestershire, which uh, basically was going to make, um, I think it was the areas around the ground that I think were more of the issue. Um, the pitch at Kidderminster was covered 
and the gather was perfectly playable underneath, but it was more the issue with players getting there. Um, they were due to have fans back in at Agra for the first time this season yesterday. And so clearly it would have been a massive disappointment to them to have to make that decision not to have fans in. But I think the very fact that fans were due to be attending um, and, and that, that some of the roads in the surrounding areas were getting clogged up and, you know, we had traffic getting stuck that, that, would, that might well have, you know, played a part in that decision to, for the game not to go ahead. Joining us now, we have the Kidderminster Harriers manager, Russell Penn. Hiya, Russ. Hiya, lads. You OK? Hiya, lads. You OK? Yeah, good. Cheers. And, um, well, we, we touched on it at the start of our little uh, roundup, but obviously it must be must have been frustrating to have the game called off on Monday because the pitch, by all accounts, was play, uh, playable, but it was a surrounding rose, wasn't it? And because you were having fans back in, you couldn't guarantee the safety, I suppose. Yeah, it was. The pitch, was, um, the pitch is, in, is in great nick, to be honest. Um, we had the covers on, um, so that wasn't the real issue. Um, to be honest, it took me an hour and a half to get in five miles from my house to the ground. And um, it was it was the right decision. As disappointed as it is to say that, it was it was the right decision. And that's paramount. Yeah, and it's, we're saying it's just been a strange season. We spoke to you last year when you, you were caretaker, you got the job full time, and it's probably... Um, it's been well. It's just been a weird one in general, hasn't it? You've probably had a lot to deal with, not just on-field issues as well. Yeah, I could probably write a book in my first ten months in charge. To be honest, mate, it's um, it's been nothing short of frustrating and disappointing. Um, but that's just life, not just football. Um, and uh, like Vicky was saying before, it's you just take each day as it comes now because obviously you just can't plan anything, mate, because it just gets thrown at you. I mean, it's been a it's been a good season because you're currently sat. Um, you sat second in the table, aren't you? I mean, you had a disappointment on, on Boxing Day, but you must be really pleased with how things have gone. Yeah, we're, we're relatively pleased. We always want more. As so does every manager. You know, you want the best. Um, I don't think we've, we've, we're firing on all cylinders just yet. Um, but in terms of the league position, yeah, it's great. And I would have snapped the hand off for having this at the start of uh, the season after 12 games, sitting second with, with games in hand. You know, it's a tough year this year and you really have to take each game as it comes. Uh, that's one thing I've, I've learned. Uh, don't think too far ahead because whoever you're playing at this level is is um, is going to be a competitive match and um, one that can go either way. Would it be fair to say as well, I mean, normally there's been this kid of into DNA the last few years of playing football, but you've gone away to places like Brackley and... Gate said, and ground out wins. Would it be fair to say you're trying to change? You're trying to obviously keep the footballing style, but implement it when you go away from home, where you maybe have to dig in and get a result as well. Yes, um, you know there was a big speech mark. You know the, the, the Kidderminster way the last two three years. Which what, what what was that? You know was it playing out from the back? Was it looking good and and, and outscoring teams? Um, you know. That, I've never played that way and it's not something we're going against, but I think I know the level more than, than most people. And I think you've got to respect every opposition and you've got to go to these places, no disrespect, Farsley's and your Bradford's away and, you, and you've and you've got to grind it out against tough opposition. Um, you're not always going to have that fluid um, flow in football um, like we want to play. Um, and you've got to do a job at some certain places. Yeah, so I suppose, I mean, knowing... That that was, you know, knowing the level as you do, and, and knowing that that was perhaps more of what the team needed, that must have had a, a you know a say in your recruitment over the summer. Then, yeah, definitely, Dicky. I think um, I wanted winners in in the team, and and we were lucky to bring the likes of Lewis Montrose in from Fylde, and 
your Amari Morgan Smith, as you as you know well, um, to go with what we've already got in terms of Cliff Moyo and Ashley Hemmings. I wanted experience because they're the players that have done it, been there and done it. To go alongside that, some some good some good loans and some good um, young legs around them. So I think our recruitment has been really positive. But like like I said to Luke earlier this week, you know it's. It's a good start, but it's just a start, um, and we've got to continue that. Talking about low knees, I mean, obviously there's been there's been a lot said about obviously um, Reese Williams, who's now at Liverpool. I mean, that that must be that must be a great feather in the cap for Kidderminster that even Premier League clubs can look at Kidderminster and go, well, look at his football education, and it's speeded it up in a way. Is is progression into the first team, albeit there was a few injuries as well, but the fact that you could trust him after being at Kidderminster must be a great, as I say, feather in the cap for you. Yeah, I think these top teams now are appreciating and respecting our level a little bit more, as they probably wouldn't have done two or three years ago. Um, you would have had loans from League One, League Two, two, three years ago. Now you're getting Premiership, Championship loans, which which is great for us as a as a club, and it's great for us as a league as well. It's a great advertisement for the National North. Um, so it can only help um, ourselves as a club and and, and the league then if we're producing and helping the developments of these next Reese Williams, as we say. I suppose you feel a bit like a proud father when you see something like that as well, knowing that you've helped him into that first team. And also, he's got England under-21 honours now as well, hasn't he? Yeah, it was all me, mate. It, was not, it wasn't Jürgen, it was all me. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's... Uh, listen, we, 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 we had him for 11 months. Uh, we had him for a full season and we were part of the process, which is great. Uh, Liverpool trusted us to um, implement his style into our team and, and they trusted us in terms of trying to man him up a little bit, if you can say that now. Um, and you know he got battered and bruised going to Darlington away. He was in hospital. He got concussed. So everything that they probably wanted out of him uh, happened in the National North, which you get week in week out, as we know. So he's concussed. So he probably doesn't remember his time at Kidderminster now, does he? Oh, when did I go there? <laughs> yeah, I remember well. We went to Darlington away, and the um, oh, someone come across him. And his nose was across his face, and he was in hospital. And I thought that will make you a proper defender now, mate, because. Not only do you play like one, you look like one now. So, um, yeah, it was it was a great learning curve and it's it's been in all the programme notes at Liverpool. So, um, listen, Reese has got a great head on his shoulders and he always mentions us. He follows us still. He still messages me. Um, so, he's a grounded lad and he, he knows where he's come from. Oh, I suppose it was going to come back to, um, I guess, on, on Saturday, you, you uh, defeated uh, Hereford, which obviously would have been, a, you know, a disappointment for you. You've got the other side of that is you've got them again on on New Year's Day. I mean, how do you find that that sort of playing the same team home and away within the space of a week? I mean, and I've spoken to other managers who say that it's it's a bit of a tricky one because you you know you get to find out a bit about one another, and that and the second game isn't necessarily always goes the way that the first one did. Yeah, well, one thing for sure, we don't need a scout report on them because uh, we were there anyway. So. Um... You know, Hereford are on a little bit of form at the moment. I think they're five or six unbeaten. Uh, we were disappointed Saturday. We took the lead um, and then we went down to 10 men for 70 minutes, um, which is disappointed. And I believe that had a big, um, you know, it was a big reason why we lost the game. Uh, no excuses. We didn't do enough with 10 men, um, but it was hard. And, and when you're playing a team on form, full of confidence, you know, um, they use that extra man uh, to their advantage. Um, not having the game yesterday disappointing because you want to get back to winning ways straight away. Um, but what we can use that as an advantage, you know, we get extra uh, rest into the legs of the lads, and um, you know we know what Hereford are all about now, and we've got to we've got to um, 
employer status on them at home on Saturday. I mean, you are still one of the the, the, the few full-time teams in this division. So sort of like what's your, you know, schedule during the week? I mean, how does how does your schedule different differ from, I guess, your average semi-pro side at this, at this level? Uh, a lot of people ask me this. So, you know, it's our lad's main job, first and foremost. So, um, you know, everything is, is on our call, whether it's a gym programme or whether we're in in the morning every, every week. Um, it's their main job. Whatever they want to do after that is up to them, but it goes around football. Um, this year, this week's a completely different story with the snow that we've had. I think oh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a good two, three inches thick um, here as we speak now as well. Um, so you really have to take safety into consideration in terms of where you train. You know, the ground's frozen over. Are they ready? Are they going to get slushy? So you have to look for your, your astroturfs and do you want to be training on AstroTurf four days prior to a game? Probably not. So, um, yeah, real up and down week it will be this week. But one thing we do know, looking at the weather, that the game on Saturday will be on. And we've got to prepare right, whether it's Astro, grass or at home. So, um, yeah, that, that's where we are on that. I suppose I suppose as well, Russ, um, after sort of the turbulent few seasons Kidderminster have had, what, what will class the success? I mean, obviously you take promotion, but is it... Is it too soon? You know, with everything that's gone on so far, would you like to kind of have a playoff challenge and say, well, yeah, we're ready to go for the next season? Or, or is it just a case of keep going and see where you end up? Ask my owners that, mate. I think they want to go yesterday. But uh, no, I'm only joking. Everyone wants promotion. And I feel this league, as competitive as it is, and I think it really is competitive this season, I believe there are 10 to 12 teams who believe they can be right up there. I really do believe that. Um, of course, we all want to win the league, um, and the next, you know, the next step under that is playoffs. So I'm no different to anyone else. I want success, and I want, I want it now, um, and I'll do my utmost to to, to get into them playoffs. So um, we know there's a few big budgets flying around. We know that, um, so they will be always be the favourites. But you know that doesn't mean that their squads are stronger than ours. We've recruited well, as of Telford, as of Hereford, and we all believe we can do, um, we can be successful. You've mentioned the, your ownership there, and obviously we, the, there was the, the, the change in ownership at, at Kidderminster in the last twelve months or so. Um, the, the, the new owners, uh, dare I say, it, seem almost uh, when I say conspicuous by their absence, it's sort of like they seem very keen to just remain in the background. And, and, and obviously, with the team doing well, and, 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 and yourself and your first full season as manager doing well, they they don't need to be in the foreground, do they? But but. Uh, How's that? How's that been with them? Is that is that right? Correct to say that they pretty much, you know, hands off and let you get on with it. Yeah, they, they've been pretty open from the start, Dickie. To be fair, and they said, look, we we employ you to manage the first team, um, and we trust you and we'll back you. Obviously, that that's all on my head then, and that's that's how I like it. They don't get involved. I've been at clubs before where um, the owners get too involved with the managing. You can see, and it's affecting him. Um, I'd like to think they trust me in that way and I trust them what they're doing. Um, we have board meetings once a month and we go over, you know, the objectives and the aims like everyone and we have a few harsh words here and there, but that all stays, you know, behind doors. Um, so I like to think it's working at the moment. It's, you know, it's fine. Um, they've got very successful businesses themselves, so they are busy men um, and they are happy and, you know, they trust me to run this business this side. The biggest thing then as you come up to sort of... Uh almost a full year in charge. What, what What's the biggest thing that you, you, you've kind of learned? Because normally managers get the first job and it can be a bit 
cushy, but it's been like we say, it's been such a different year this year. I mean, what's the biggest thing you've learned, really? Um, how to run a team through a pandemic. <laughs> that's that's what I've learned. Um, it's it's been so mixed emotions. You know, I don't think any manager. Well, we haven't had a pandemic in in, in years, have we? So to, to run a business through this. Um, you know, financially, uh, the owners, what the owners have had to go through with the, with the National League and the lottery money and the, the, the grants um, to knowing, you know, never knowing what your budget actually is. It's, it changes every week because we're hearing different news every week. Um, so, yeah, it's been a real tough time. Um, grateful that the National League have been able to get the season up and running, albeit without fans. And everyone's doing their utmost to get this season uh, finished, which is, which is great. We're going to have our obstacles and hurdles through the way. Um, but it looks like everyone's on the same path and are all going in the right direction. I was going to say that that was I was actually going to ask you that as a last question. Do you think the season will be completed with everyone playing each other twice? I'd like to think so. It is a bit worrying. The last I look at the fixtures, the last couple of days, and there just seem to be a lot more games being cancelled, especially at higher levels, which is concerning for me because they're the ones who are literally bubble wrapped. Do you know what I mean? And you look at Premier League games getting called off now and you're thinking, oh dear. Um, and then, you know, we haven't really hit the winter months yet, really. And there's got to be games called off for that, like ours was yesterday. Um, you know, it's not just COVID now, games are getting called off. It's it's now surrounding areas and frozen pitches and we've got to get used to that in the next two months. Um, they're doing the best in the National League and every club are doing the best to get it finished. Um, but like I say, and I will hit home a little bit now, we are going into the 1st of January and some teams have only played eight league games. Um, and, you know, you look at that and you think, oh, dear me, it doesn't look great. Um, but, you know, we'll do our best. I was going to say, in terms of points per game, I saw Academic Stefan the other day saying, well, if they were if they were going to draw a halt to it now, they'd be quite happy with that because I think you're second in the table on points per game <laughs> as well. So those games in hand are standing you in good stead there as well. Well, I know, and, you know... An old team of mine, York, you know, they, they lost out on that last year, which I thought was heart-wrenching for them because um, I thought Kingsley was starting to hit a bit of a brick wall and York was hitting a bit of form. And after so many games to have the season just stop just like that, you know, you've got to be, you've got to expect the unexpected this year. And we just have to take each game as it comes, Dickie, you know that. And um, I think that's the most frustrating bit as a manager at this level is uh, you can't really look too far forward. Because um, as managers know, you've got to have a short, medium and long-term um, objective. And we, we're only short terms at the moment. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, Ross. That's uh, great stuff, Cheers. Thanks, lads. No, always a pleasure. Well, looking at the other fixtures then, um, Gloucester. And it's funny we um, it's funny that we chatted with Jason Ainsley, didn't we, in the last podcast, uh, which you can listen back to now. And he said about the, inconsist- the inconsistencies of the National League North, and and it, so it proved yesterday. A lot of teams who lost on Boxing Day won on Monday, and one of those teams who won on Boxing Day but lost on Monday were Gloucester, and probably the game of the day. And, and Brackley's probably the one place that you maybe think well Gloucester will slip up. Well, I mean, uh, Brackley. Um, I think uh, they they won three two yesterday. Brackley beat Gloucester. Gloucester only lost his third loss of the season, and and I guess based on form. You might have looked at that one and, and think that, that, you know, that's not what you would have expected. But I say so many times on this, you write, you write Brackley off at your peril. They've got a lot of experienced players. Um, 
Yeah, and so so Gloucester um, in, in the lead in that game yesterday as well. Kevin Dawson put them ahead. Um, I think there was something of a dubious penalty that was then given, and Shane Byrne equalised for Brackley. Leon Love put Brackley ahead just before the break. Matt McClure, I think he's still the leading goal scorer in National League North. He tied it up at 2-2. But um, yeah, in the dying minutes, um, and Love had an effort which was saved, but Shane Byrne was there to tap in the rebound, his second goal of the game. And um, yeah, a much needed win that for Brackley. They're up to eighth in the table. Um, it really is so close in the National League North. I mean, we'll probably touch on this in the course of as we go through all the games. But I think at one point I was looking that there's there's probably only a gap of about three points from about 12th position down to about fourth or fifth in the table. So you really can make a major jump in the table in, in just one game. Hot on our heels were Chester, as we spoke about. They were creeping up the table on Boxing Day with a win at Telford. And Anthony Johnson, we, we did have a bit of a laugh about it, didn't we? So he said, Charlie, would be much harder game than Telford. And well, it probably proved that in the end. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there might have been an element of kidology, you know, with his players in, in that respect. You know, they've got, they've gone and won two one away at Telford, who, you know, he was pains to say he, he feels are a, a good side, but you know, might have just been trying to bring his players down to back down to earth a little bit by saying, you know, surely we harder. Well, if that was the reason his players didn't take that message on board by the sound of things, or or, or not well enough, because yeah, surely surely won two one at the DV yesterday. Um, Ollie Shenton put them in the lead. Anthony Dudley, second goal in two games, levelled it for Chester. But then Connor Hall, um, he signed on loan for Chorley originally, signed there permanently now, leaving Woking. He was fouled, got up off the ground uh, to convert his own penalty kick, and that was two one before half time. And yeah, that's how it stayed. Yeah, not that Connor Hall for those thinking that Rob might be getting excited. It's a, it's a different Connor Hall, isn't it? It is a different Connor Hall. Yes, he, he's considerably shorter, I think. And um, uh, but yeah, the, that, the idea that Rob thinks there's two of them and he's actually sort of like trying to um, tag two of them around the country would be quite interesting. Um, yeah, obviously <laughs> Chester Chester were disappointed with that yesterday. You know, um, said they hadn't become a bad team overnight. Bernard Morley speaking after the game, and 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 he paid credit to to Jamie Vermiglio and his side, and he said, you know, that everybody in the Chorley side knows what they're about. They know what they are, and that Jamie Vermiglio is you know currently getting the maximum for from them which is hard to argue i think that their loss in the fa trophy at guiseley is their only defeat in all competitions since the 24th of october so that's only one loss in 12 for chorley and from being you know in the relegation places back then they're ninth in the table they've got that huge fa cup game coming up against derby county and uh, i won't say jamie vermiglio's turned it around necessarily because I don't think it was ever necessarily a case that Chorley were as bad as a side as their position suggested it's just that you know they, they, they'd not played a number of games due to, to, to Covid etc um, and yeah they're, they're, they're one of the form teams in the division at the moment Dickie I noticed um, a few days ago um, Anthony Johnson put something on Twitter about his players still playing for free um, at Chester Um <laughs> Is that right? And if it is right, they're having a fantastic season. I, I, it's one of those things. I'm, I'm not into, entirely sure. I mean, yeah, he put that in the in the the immediate hours following the win at Telford. Um, I think he'd obviously got home by that point and was sitting back in his chair, probably with a beer in his hand, feeling quite satisfied with the day's work. And I think he put something to the effect of not bad for, you know, a team where you've got players who were playing for free. Um as happens on Twitter, and he, he, Anthony Johnson 
does fish a little bit sometimes. I think he, he really enjoys that kind of, you know, that sport on social media. You had a few people trying to pick him up on it, saying, you're not telling me that your players are really playing for free. But, you know, he seemed quite insistent that, that, that he'd got players at Chester who were there for, um, you know, the love of being there more so than what they were getting paid. Now, whether that necessarily equates to, to free, I'm not entirely sure. It's it's hard to imagine anybody being on a lesser contract than uh, Adam Novakowski's one pound a week at Bradford Park Avenue, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, you know, wh- whatever whatever it is, you know, it, it um, it's clearly working. I mean, they were, they were the better side against Telford on Boxing Day. And I, I think they were somewhat unfortunate yesterday. It sounded as if they threw everything at Chorley towards the end of that game, but Chorley were just strong enough to hold out. Yeah, another farm team are Boston. Uh, a really good win for them on Boxing Day. And they followed it up with a 4-0 win at Farsley. Yeah, and Boston, another one of those sides where games in hand has always been the factor. I think, you know, again, they lost a, a number of games Um due to COVID um, and there was always that feeling that, you know, that, that that they would be up towards the top of the table, but the more games in hand that you have, the tougher your schedule becomes because you've got more games to play in a shorter space of time. Um, Boston are making light of that at the moment. Yes, as you say, a 4-0 win. Joe Leesley, he's on loan to them from Harrogate Town. He knows what this division's all about. Having won Oh, I've been promoted from the playoffs with um, Harrogate from this division, I think three seasons ago. He put them into the lead. Fraser Preston added a second. Leesley added a third. Um, and then, yeah, Preston set up Jay Rollins for the fourth late on. A bit of a took the shine off the day for um, Farsley's Adam Clayton, who became the club's record appearance holder on the day, making his 230th appearance. But unfortunately, it wasn't marked with any great success. And as a result, his team dropped to 13th in the table. I, I know actually we're talking of Boston as well. They've got they've got four games in hand on Gloucester, and nine points behind. And after, after we'd sent the podcast out, Jason Ainsley actually uh, put a tweet out encouraging people to listen, but also saying actually Boston are my tips for the title because he, he was he was a bit on the fence, wasn't he, when we spoke to him on the on the pod? But now he actually nailed his colours to the mast. We did put him on on the spot a little bit, and when that happens, you know, it is easy to sort of like forget or um, you know overlook people when you've you know you've been put on the spot and asked for an answer. But yeah, he did come back to us and say that he, he, he'd he forgot to mention Boston. So um, I think he'd stuck with Gloucester um, because they were top and because they'd looked the most consistent, but he certainly felt that Boston were a danger. Um, and they're looking that way. It's funny, I noticed just before Christmas that manager Craig Elliott um, had gone on record as saying he felt Boston needed a goal scorer, um, which was intriguing. Whether that was designed to light a bit of a fire under his team, I don't know. Um, but obviously they'd had Jordan Arch earlier in the season, but he's gone to Southport and has been finding the target for them. But I think he was bemoaning a little bit of a lack of um, firepower, which is unusual given the players and the signings they made in the summer. But um, it clearly worked yesterday because four goals without reply at Farsley, which is a tough place to go. It's it's a difficult pitch. Um, and they made light of it yesterday. Team who are in fourth are one of the, obviously the favourites as they are nearly every year. A York City, they beat Geisley 
by a goal to nil and the game that you ended up watching Vicky yeah I did no game for Telford and and again the game was made available on YouTube on a a, a pay what you uh, would wish to basis um, so yeah I watched York yesterday I have to say they they felt like they made somewhat hard work of a 1-0 win over Geisley there were fans allowed in it was at Bootham Crescent still um, it was potentially the farewell to Bootham Crescent because I'm, I'm led to believe that the the 12th of January, maybe when they actually moved to their new stadium on the outskirts of York. Um, so 627 fans in there. Um, and yeah, goal from Josh King in the first half was enough for them, but Geisley had Isaac Curry sent off in the second half, um, two yellow cards within the space of about 90 seconds, um, which you know, seemed pretty foolish when you looked at both of the challenges that he'd made um, to, to pick, pick those bookings up, put his side up against it. But York couldn't take advantage and I did get that sense of that some of that expectation you mentioned about York being favourites there I was kind of watching the game but also seeing the the comments that were available alongside it on YouTube and even from them you get that sense of expectation from York fans of you know oh nothing you can't guarantee that we're going to win this unless we're 3-0 up with a minute left I think there's that that sense of York fans um (sighs) just that whole exasperation really that, that, that York are still where they are and, you know, yeah, they're up to fourth, but that, that York do things the difficult way. I mean, I, I always have a bit of a, I think all football fans, to be perfectly honest, feel that their fans do things, their team do things the difficult way that chiefly because sometimes football just isn't the easiest of games to master. Uh, It's funny actually you mentioned about them finally leaving Booth and Crescent. We went there, didn't we two seasons? Was it? It was not obviously last season. It was the back end of the season before when York played Telford and it was a big about. Oh, this is the last game at Booth and Crescent, and like nearly two years on, it's still the finally maybe leaving now. In the final playoff place, it is spending more a good win away for them at Gateshead. Yeah, a very good win. Um, you know, we Jason Ainsley. We mentioned him the other day. He he watched the game clearly and described their performance as superb. And his his former assistant manager Tommy Miller, who's the caretaker there, he strengthened his flames for the for the role with this win. Certainly, Glenn Taylor put them ahead after six minutes. Um, I don't know if it was a case of too many cooks, but there was certainly one less when Jordan Cook from Gateshead was dismissed on twenty four minutes. Of pretty yeah. late and high challenge on Adriano Moke, I gather. Um, one nil at half time. Rob Ramshaw added two more in the second half to make them comfortable three nil. And Greg Ollie's goal in the 90th minute was was only really a consolation for Gateshead. They dropped down to 11th, but as we said, it, it's it's very close. You know, another couple of wins and they could be back into the playoff places comfortably. Chris enjoyed your little cook cook joke there as well. <laughs> He's smiling and nodding away at it. <laughs> I was trying to work out if there was anybody else called Cook on the field, but no. Yeah, it was a good one, that, Dickie. Thank you. I'm glad my scripting um, met your met with your approval there. <laughs> In terms of Gateshead, though, Dickie, should they be a bit worried? Uh, not worried as such, but they'll be a bit disappointed, won't they? Only a draw with Blythe on Boxing Day and then a home defeat to Spennymore, albeit, as we say, they did have a man turn off. I would think they would be. I think they'll be disappointed with that, certainly. <sighs> it's difficult. I mean, uh, again... Uh, 
Jason Ainsley mentioned it again the other day. You've got a number of northeast derbies that take place. They all take place, or quite a lot of them take place around this time of year because of the travelling. And as much as the league positions would suggest that Gateshead should go to Bly Spartans and win comfortably, you know, local pride has a lot to say in that, doesn't it? And 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 Blythe raised their game on the day, got a point against them in a 2-2 draw, and Gateshead come away disappointing. I mean, we're going to touch on it shortly, but, you know, Gateshead saw the opposite side of that in their result yesterday. But, um, yeah, they will be disappointed. Gateshead are, are still a full-time outfit at this level, but they're just... <sighs> Last season, they kind of just stayed in touch with the playoff places with games in hand, and I think it was largely speaking a pretty good home record that that ultimately got them into the playoffs on the on the points per game method at the end of the season. They wanted to kick on from that, I think. And I, I think goal scoring has been the problem for them. They brought in um, is it the lad Jed Garner from, from Fleetwood. He did get a hat-trick, I think, in his first game for them. But they've been a bit quiet on the goal scoring front since. So perhaps still that sense that they, they do need a little bit more up front. Moving down towards the bottom now, it was a... An entertaining game, but a brutish game by all sounds of it at, at the Impact Arena between Alfredton and Kettering. Yeah, I mean, in some senses, that's kind of not entirely a surprise. You know, that the, uh, Billy Heath teams are, are, you know, set up to be hard to play against and, and you know, do play with that sort of physical edge. Um, and Kettering Town, I have to say, are quite similar from having seen them recently. And uh, yeah, a 3-3 draw doesn't do either team, you know, the, any particular favours in terms of uh, points. Uh, Jake Daple, Alfreton ahead, Ryan Fry levelled. Dan Bradley, captain of Alfreton, surprisingly, he scored, he was his first goal of the season, but he, he put them in to the lead, but then they went to sleep a bit at the back. Callum Powell, in to equalise for Kettering. Elliot Reeves put Alfreton ahead again, so a lead for a third time, and for a third time, Kettering came back, Powell equalising from the penalty spot. And, you know, Paul Cox said after the game that you know, mentioned his side's mentality a little bit. I mean, it said that, you know, if you three score three goals away from home, you expect to win the game. But on the other side of that one, three times they've come back from a losing position to get a point. Um so that's one pleasing aspect for him, but that certainly won't please Billy Heath, you know, to feel that you've been in the lead three times and couldn't put them away. Yeah, Kettering, it's only one defeat for them in five. Um, for Alfton, though, they're now in the bottom two, picking on goal difference, which is quite surprising, really, as you say, for a Billy Heath side. It is, and I think the concerning thing with Alfreton as well is the number of games played as well. Yeah, I think they've played, they played a couple played, more than all the teams around them, haven't they? I think Alfreton have played as many as anyone in the division, if not slightly more. I think they've played 15. Um, the only Cur- sorry, only they- Curzon have played more at the minute, Dickie. Yeah, I mean, they get, uh, Alfreton came to Telford, I think, won their first league game of the season at Telford in a, a typical 1-0 win. I think in midweek after that, they then got a draw with Foyle and then another decent result. And, you know, there seemed to be quite an air of optimism um, coming out of Alfreton, you know, that they they were looking... Um, when I say more competitive, I mean, they, they, they are always competitive, but they look like they perhaps got a little bit more to them, but their, their form's fallen away quite quite badly recently and yeah it, that must concern Billy Heath absolutely it will also down at the bottom were, were Darlington they shot out of the relegation zone after 
Uh, four points for them over the Christmas period. That 0-0 draw, as I mentioned, was spending more on Boxing Day. And then a massive 6-0 win over Blythe Spartan to manager Michael Nelson. Uh, apologise to the fans. He said he was uh, he, he hadn't been so embarrassed in a long time. Yeah, and I saw one of the players as well, um, Levi Amanchi. He put a similar message out on Twitter, sort of apologising to the fans and, and kind of expressing, I guess, the, that same thing of embarrassment, really. Um Particularly after getting a 2-2 draw against Gator the other day, they would have hoped for better. But uh, yeah, Blythe were 2-0 were down within 15 minutes to their former manager, Alan Armstrong's team, Darlington. Uh, goals from Eric Souza and, and Adam Campbell. Jarrett Rivers, he's a former Blythe player. He scored a third on the half hour. It all went quiet for a little while then, but in the last 15 to 20 minutes, um, Darlington cut loose again. Tyrone O'Neill scored twice, either side of a goal for, you guessed it, another Blythe player, Dan Maguire. So, yeah, Darlington in 18th, out of those relegation places, and they've only played nine games as well. So I know they're, they're looking upwards. That nine games is going to leave them with a heavy schedule going into 2021. You know, particularly when you think there's some teams in the division you've played 15 and 16 and they're five or six games behind them. But yeah, a 6-0 win's got to put you in good heart for that, hasn't it? And they'll face Spennymoor on um, 2nd of January. So again, another big northeast derby. Um, A goalless draw on Boxing Day. So both sides have had a little bit of a look at what the other one is about. I doubt it'll be a goalless draw on Saturday somehow. Lee Clark got a lot of stick last year, didn't he, saying that people um, said he didn't know the league and stuff and he should be doing a lot better. Well, I mean, they brought in Michael Nelson and they're not doing much better, are they? They're not and they've, you know, uh, I think over the summer, Michael Nelson probably, he was having to recruit probably from the same places that that, that Lee Clark was, was, trying to, was having to recruit from, which was the difficulty. They've brought in a couple of players in that they got J.J. O'Donnell on loan from, from Gateshead for the rest of the season, which is a, um, a boost for them. I know Paul Blackett, their leading scorer, he's on loan. Yeah, so he's, he's managed to bring in a couple more, but, you know, he's, he's not been able to, to find the likes of a Callum Roberts the way that Lee Clark did last season. And, you know, and even, even though he was only with them for a little while, he, he just helped them put a few more points on the board. Um, but yeah, you look at Blythe's situation at the moment and it's, I wouldn't say it's desperate, but, but it, it, it's looking pretty bleak. And the other two results in the National League North, and we talked about the inconsistency, well, Bradford had a really good win on Boxing Day at home to York by four goals to do. But then he went to Curzon on Monday and lost 3-0. Three different scorers for Curzon, Matty Waters, Rob Evans and Dan Cowan. Bradford were down to 10 men early on from the 20th minute. And then the other game in the National League North, it's Leamington nil, Hereford nil. So four points for Hereford. They'll be pretty pleased with that so far with their Christmas Hall. And Leamington recovering from that 1-0 defeat to Gloucester. My thanks to Dickie, Tom and Chris and also to Russ Penn for joining us. And all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening to us throughout the year. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify, also on Apple Podcasts. And all that's left for me to do is say have a very happy new year and we'll be back in 2021 when we have our first fixtures of the new year. Until then, look after yourselves and I'll see you all very soon. (laughs) 